Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Choose Your Own Adventure, Part 1, The Character Question, recorded Sunday, January 8th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We are going to talk about identity all year. We know that's a big topic right now in the world, and it, and it should be. Because, uh, you know, the fact is, my identity is the distinguishing character of who I am. So what makes me unique? What makes me who I am? It's, it's very individual in one sense, because I, you know, I believe this fully, and you probably do too, that we're all different. We all have our own distinguished qualities. But then it's also, there's something about identity that's also corporate, you know. It's like, what do I identify with? Who do I identify with? And, and it's a big question. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of catchphrases we use with this topic of identity. There's proof of identity. Sometimes you have to provide that. There's secret identity. Ooh, that's mysterious. How about the case of mistaken identity? Some of us have probably had that happen. Someone once told me, once told me, I look like Bruce Willis. I think it was a panhandler, I'm not sure, but, but there's something called gender identity disorder, or people will say this, I identify as, I identify with, you know, whoever that might be. There's something called identity politics, and you may know what that is, I'm not sure what it is, but a serious matter in our day is identity theft, you don't want to have that happen. A God follower would say, I find my identity in Christ, and that's good, but what does that mean? In 2023, we're going to talk a lot about these concepts, and we're going to start in the next four weeks, as, uh, as our host has already told us, with this, with this challenge of choosing your own adventure. And wouldn't it be great if over the next, you know, four weeks, you could, you could, you could go on an adventure that would actually make you a different kind of person in a positive way. Wouldn't that be good? That's what we're hoping. And that brings me to the point of this message, which is this, because we're going to do hard things on this adventure. And here's the point. The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. The easiest person to deceive is the person I stare at in the mirror. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And there is no question that I've deceived myself on many occasions in my life, and you probably have too. And then we have to live with the mistakes that come from that. Now, with that in mind, I wonder if you, you might like to hear a joke. I'm Gary Brills. Welcome to Choose Your Own Adventure. In this series, you're going to have decisions to make, and here's how it's going to work. You're going to get out your phone. You're going to get your flashlight ready. You're going to have two options, and I need you to make a decision. Option A, flashlight on. Five, four, three, two, one. Option B, turn your flashlight on. Five, four, three, two, one. You've got a decision to make, and it's right now. 
Do you want this joke? Joke A. Or do you want this joke? Joke B. If you want joke A, turn on your flashlight and shine it back at the booth. Five, four, three, two, one, flashlights down. Joke B. Turn on your flashlight, put it back to the booth. Five, four, three, two, one, we're done. Good choice, here we go. All right, guess what? It's joke B. Joke B, the mirror joke, okay? I heard this story from a guy who said a couple nights ago, his wife, with whom he's been married to for over 30 years, was standing there, and she was kind of admiring her, herself in the mirror, and she asked her husband, she said this, will you love me when I'm old and fat and unproductive? And he said, yes, I do. Now, that proves that you make bad decisions because that was a horrible joke. That was horrible. But, but the point of that is you are often the mastermind behind many of your most regrettable decisions. And I think back, I was there for every one of them, you know. Now, you're probably thinking, well, this is 2023. Couldn't we start out more positively? Well, I'm, I'm going to pile on a little bit, actually. Here's this. You've probably done more to undermine your own success than anyone else has. Because you are the spearhead for most of your decisions. But I'm not just piling on you. I know all too well that I fall there, too. I... So let's figure this out together. That's what this next few weeks is about. And I want to start with a little verse that I hope, if you haven't already memorized this verse, you will. It's in Proverbs chapter 22. It's very simple. And, uh, and, and this is from the New Living Translation, which is not a normal translation for me to use, but I, I like this translation in this verse. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes on blindly and suffers the consequences. Solomon's just making a point that people can minimize regret in life by taking precaution, by, by thinking ahead a little bit. And that, that it's wise to think about where this decision could lead me. And the fact is, we need to know this because the, the voices in our head are always trying to sell us on things that aren't necessarily that good for us. You know, any sales pitch kind of does this to us. You know, there's this, and, and there's a sales pitch that often is happening for me. And, my, and you're thinking, is he nuts? A guy nuts? Who's talking to him? Well, you know what I mean by this. That, that there's messages that say, you know what, this is worth it. You need to do this. You're going you're gonna to find happiness. But sometimes that's a lie. Oftentimes it's really not honest. Like in November of this past year, uh, we had to go shop for a car. We had a little fender bender, and, and we thought it was like two, $3,000. And uh, the, the body shop got up to eighteen five or something like that. And the insurance said, nah, uh-uh, we're tolling this car. So that meant we're shopping for a car. And nobody's hurt, and, you know, we have a new car. It's fine. It's all good and well. But have you, I've noticed something that's changed regarding sales representatives at car lots over the last 10 or 15 years. It used to be, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you would drive onto that car lot, and you would be swarmed like a 
three-day-old piece of meat on the highway by buzzards. I mean, remember those days, some of you, you know what I'm talking about? But that's not true today. I mean, I, I feel like I can honestly say wherever I went, the sales reps were helpful, they weren't pushy, and uh, didn't seem to be taking it too personally, you know what I'm saying? And it was helpful. But all of us know what it's like to be pressured into something. So in that same experience, I was kicking around the idea of buying a used car warranty. And, uh, I, you know, I've always heard don't do it for all kinds of reasons, but I thought, well, maybe. So I, I, I went on, 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 the web, on the websites to figure out who had the best ratings. I called one, and I talked to a guy named Gary from, he had a phone number of Garing, Nebraska. And oh, my goodness. Oh, what, you know Gary? You know him too? Yeah. Or do you know Garing? I don't know, whatever. Gary from Garing. Anyway, he's probably from, like, India, I'm just saying, but, but at any rate, so like, man, he had me spinning in circles at no time with stories of computers going out in cars like the one I bought, first time offers, discounts, if you don't buy this thing in the next two hours, your discount goes away, and I didn't buy it, by the way, but the point is, we know there's pressure, and those pressures are oftentimes internal, but what tr- trusting God is teaching me is that there's great wisdom in in taking precaution about making decisions. And and, and God wants me to, 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 you know, in the most important decisions of life, you know, in relationships, uh, in my spirituality, of course, uh, when it comes to careers and making decisions on career, that, that, that there's wisdom in seeking God's wisdom before I make those decisions. So in the next four weeks, we're going to ask, ask and answer, I hope, four questions. And here they are in brief. There's the character question, which we're dealing with today, am I being honest with myself? There's the legacy question, which is, another way to ask that is, when this is read in my obituary, how will it sound? Or will it make my obituary at all? You know what I'm saying? And then there's a third question, the conscience question, will this keep me up at night? And then the last question is the maturity question. How, if I make this decision, how, or how I make this decision, how will it help me grow? How will it help me grow? So those are the four questions. So the first one that we're going to talk about today is the character question. And, and by the way, uh, uh, we, we call these topical messages. But, but we use a lot of scripture at Third City, and so you're going to want to keep up, and you know, you can always find these online, these messages, if you, if you need to go back, and we hope you'll do that when you need to. But the first question is, am I being honest with myself? It's probably the toughest question, by the way. Back to the statement I made in the opening, opening the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror, but I'm going to add to that, the most difficult person to lead is the person in the mirror. Because the cold, hard truth is, I can't lead myself unless I'm honest with myself. I can't lead myself if I'm deceiving myself. And you know this, if you lead in any area of life, you're a leader in your family, uh, at your school, maybe you're on some sports team or something where you're considered a leader, of course, in the workplace, if you have responsibility and leadership uh, in your church, Maybe you're an element leader or you work in some other, you know, Celebrate Recovery, uh, whatever. 
you know that if someone is deceiving themselves, it's very difficult to lead them. You know this, and you know this is about yourself. And sometimes the guy in the mirror, he's a liar. He just simply is. So today I'm challenging you to do something incredibly courageous and at the very same time, very liberating. I am challenging you to fire the, fire the liar in the mirror and to hire the truthful teller, the truth teller, to, to bring them on board. And that has to be you, of course. Now, why would you do that? Well, one reason is because dishonesty erodes credibility. Uh, think about this. If you, let's say you were you know, working alongside someone or you had someone working for you and they were chronically dishonest and they just struggle with dishonesty. How long could you afford to keep them on the payroll? Not very long because they will hurt you. And, and that's true about you too. But we can convince ourselves of this narrative that we make up in our heads. We live in this narrative, and, and it, it might not be true, it might be true, but whatever. It, why do I do that? Why do I allow the liar to keep talking to me? Well, that's because I like what he's telling me. That's why. Now, the evidence that you and I can convince ourselves of anything is found in what happened after Argentina won the World Cup and, uh, the, you know, there was a big moment, of course, for that nation. How many of you even cared about the World Cup? I got to admit, I had to look up again who won it after I heard the story. But some of you care a lot, fine. But, but this guy named, named Mike Jams, he's a, he's, he considered a, a social influencer, whatever that is. He did this to himself. He went and had a tattoo put on his face because he's obviously a Messi fan, and so when Argentina won, he went out and celebrated by getting his face tattooed. Now, no judgment there except for the fact that he said just moments after he realized what he'd done, this was a huge mistake. He said it's caused disconsternation with his family. He said that it didn't have the kind of messaging that he hoped it would have. It didn't bring positive things into his life. And now he regrets it, rightfully so. But the reason I show you that is that we can convince ourselves sometimes of almost anything that almost immediately afterwards we would say, what have I done? And you can probably think of something in your life, maybe several things like that. If you've been through recovery, you know that the first prerequisite for change is brutal and rigorous honesty where you are honest with God, you're honest with yourself, and with the people in your life that, that your addictions have affected. And we will say, if I can only turn back the clock. Now, what I'm about to say runs counter to everything the culture tells you. But refusing to acknowledge what is bad about you is bad for you. It's bad for you not to acknowledge what's bad about you. The best decision I can make about me is to be truthful about me. But it's hard. I will never get to where I need to be in life until I admit where I actually am in life. And if I won't take responsibility for where I am, that means I'm going to remain irresponsible. 
And I'm just here to tell you, as your friend and pastor and, and a fellow soldier in this adventure that we're going on, that uh, it's not easy to be honest about yourself, but no one needs you to be the person you are if you're not. No one. So the very first question you need to ask is the character question, am I being honest with myself? But I want to add a, a tag word on the back of that. Am I being honest with myself really? Really. I mean, really. Like, not just like at the first level of that, because we go there. Oh, this is what I am, blah, 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 and then we go. But why am I running from this, really? Why am I not being honest with myself, really? Why am I putting this off, really? See, if you will be honest with yourself, God can then do incredible things in your adventure. But we are experts in selling ourselves things we don't need, even though we want them desperately. And I have learned this in my life. I've learned this by working with you. I rarely have to sell myself on a good idea. Just bad ones. Can you relate to that? I wish it were easy just to live on the good ideas and then forget the bad ones. If it were easy just to live on good ideas, we could wrap this up, we could commune, we could sing, we could get out early, beat our, beat our peace neighbors over to, to Perkins, and we get lunch first. I mean, but, but we know it's not that easy. And here's why. Because we tend to sell ourselves on what we want, not on what we need. We sell ourselves on what we want to do rather on what we should do. And this is not a recent phenomenon. For instance, the 17th century philosopher Francis Bacon wrote this. The human understanding, when it has once adopted an opinion, draws all things else to support and agree with it. And you know this to be true. Many of my friends and colleagues are counselors. And one of the first things they have to work on with a person is to help them to see the truth regardless of their opinion on it. Because then they can start doing something with it. I mean, once you've made up your mind about what you want to do and you make up your mind, it's like a magnet to support that. Your instincts might have been saying, beware. You know, there's something in you that said, no, this is probably not a good idea. You might have had friends, maybe several of them, a spouse or friend saying, don't do this. This is not right. But you had made up your mind, and so all, all your forces went to supporting that. And once you made up your mind, it's hard to change. Think back at some decision you might have made five, ten years ago. I know you want to forget that and you want me to bring it up, but sometimes it's important to bring this up. So you think back at this decision, and you paid some dumb tax on it, and you're still paying dumb tax on it. It takes courage to do this, but you probably had several opportunities to go a different direction, but you said, no, 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 this is what I need. I need this. Behind it was probably some sort of self-deception. This is for my happiness. This is for my family. Uh, this, will, this will solve a problem that I have to get away from right away. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament warns us this way. It says, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. 
and desperately wicked. No one really knows how bad it is, he says. Another way he says it is, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? We all have deceitful hearts. And and not just our sweet grandmother, She, she, she does too, but we do too. Our hearts get wrapped around something and we just go, man. It's like, hey, you live for the moment. Let's roll on this without giving much consideration to what the consequences might be. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, he says, it's permanent, this condition. So it requires careful and proactive responses. And then he asks the question, well, who can understand it? Well, that's a good question. There is one that does understand our heart, the one that made it, the God who we're seeking today. But the rest of us, we struggle. You know, Paul of the New Testament, he was a very spiritual person. Would you agree? I mean, he's the man who changed the world by taking the gospel into the world. Like he reached the the preeminent Gentile community with Jesus and changed everything. So he was the evangelist who went into the world, at least one of them, and one of the, probably the primary one, premier one. And, And he wrote most of the theology of the New Testament, which we still follow today. But personally, he confessed a huge struggle in this area when he wrote in Romans 7, and I'm going to start in verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. He's like, I I don't like myself because of this. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? I mean, can you relate to that? I can. I know what I want to do, and I know what the best course of action is oftentimes, and I have instincts that tell me because the Holy Spirit's in my life. I have instincts that say, don't do that. Don't make that decision. Make this one. But no, I don't want to do that. That's where my feelings are. That's where my heart is, you know. The heart is wicked and deceitful, remember. But Paul finishes out with hope. He says this, thanks to God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And why is Jesus our answer? Because Jesus has the answers and he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he told us. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the sooner I tie into that answer, the better off my life's going to be. What would happen if you started saying this? I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. What would happen if you started to do that? James says this. He's Jesus' half-brother, and, and he wrote this in James chapter 1.22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what it looks like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. There's a lot of ands in there, right? He makes this point. He says, you know, you can look in the mirror and you can take, see your image. You walk away and you quickly forget what you look like. And we know this is true. You probably have what? I don't know. 
10 mirrors in your house. You got at least one in your car, maybe more. I don't know. You go to work and you might walk past several mirrors a day. So it's not uncommon for you to look at yourself. And I don't know what you see, but it may not be what you think you see, but you're still looking in that mirror. In, in James's day, mirrors were a very rare commodity. Like most people didn't own a mirror. And if they did, it looked like a baking pan. You know, it's about how the image looked when you looked into it. The, the best people had was just a pool of water where they would look and they'd take a look and they'd walk away and they'd forget. Now, here's the point. Sometimes what we do, and this is pretty common for us in churches, we come into a setting like this, you go to your small group where you're looking into the Word of God or you have your personal devotion and you read the Bible and you say, oh, that's a good, that's a good thing to remember. And then what do you do? You set it aside or you walk out of this place and you go, okay, that was that. And you forget. You, you, you look at something and you say, oh, I've got to change that in my life. I need to stop doing that. I need to start doing that. Then you walk away from what you saw and you just forget that you ever saw it. And James is just saying, look, it makes a difference when you go further than just looking at it, when you do something with it. That is why you need to be honest with yourself, really, and so do I. Now, here's a few questions you could ask yourself that maybe are somehow in your heart today. Why do you continue to go out with him? Really? Why don't you trust her? Really? Why are you filing for divorce? I mean, go to the deepest sense of that, really. Why are you taking that job, really? Why are you refusing to give that up, really? Why do you spend like that, really? Why don't you call your parents or your kids, really? Why don't you mend fences with her or him, really? Why won't you tell the truth to someone else about what's going on in your life right now, really? Why are you unwilling to get help, really? Be honest with yourself. The wise, the prudent, you look ahead you say there's trouble possibly there. And so look, if, if I didn't care about you, if I weren't your pastor, I wouldn't even tell you this stuff. But the fact is that I'm a fellow sojourner on this adventure, and I know that I'm going to struggle with it, and so are you. I do care, but more importantly, he cares about you. God cares about you. In Proverbs chapter 14, 12, and 16, 25, this verse gets doubled up. Here's what it says. There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, but it ends in death. There's a path that seems right, but it isn't right. As a matter of fact, there could be death found there. And a lot of things die. Like death comes in all kinds of varieties. Uh, obviously, there's physical death. But there's also emotional death. There's spiritual death. There's relational death. You know, there's self-worth that gets killed in decisions if we make the wrong decisions. You know, God wants to lead you to life, not to death. On the side of truth, the outcome is peace and joy. It's a place of victory. On the other side of that is pain and torment. You don't have to just take my word for this. Here's a man who knew both, King David, and he, he probably had more than his fair share of victories, but he certainly had more of his share, fair share of, of failures too. And here's what he wrote. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. That took some honesty to get there, some real truth. And the question I'm going to ask you is, will you be honest with yourself? Really? So we pray, Lord, as as we come to this time of communion, which we do weekly here at Third City, we take these simple emblems, the bread and the cup, and they remind us of so many things. First of all, that you have covered our sin with your blood. Your body broken, your blood shed for us is the sacrifice and solution for our sin. So we can come to you and confess our sin and our rebellion. And we know, Lord, that you won't reject us, but you'll accept us. And in this moment, we're going to celebrate that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, it takes a great deal of courage to say and sing those words. It really does. Here's my heart. Speak what is true. Are you really ready for that? I mean, really? I mean, that's the adventure that we're embarking on. Uh, I like how James also says this. It's a warning, but I think warnings are good when they're needed. Temptation comes from our own desires. God doesn't tempt you. And even if you want to be truthful about it, it's not from the external sources that these desires come from. They're yours. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when allowed to grow sin, it gives birth to death. So he says in verse 16, don't be deceived dear brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. I'm going to challenge you this week to ask these two questions. Listen to me. It could be the change of everything for you. Here's the first question. Where do you struggle the most telling the truth to yourself? Where do you struggle the most telling the truth to yourself? Jesus said when you know the truth, The truth will set you free. And if you're feeling not free, if you're feeling bound, if you're feeling enslaved, if you're feeling caught, if you're feeling trapped, well, here's the start. When you know the truth, then freedom will come. And here's a second question. Are you holding on to a lie that is holding you back from what God is inviting you into? Are you holding on to a lie that's holding you back from from an adventure that God wants you to be on? Here at Third City, we do something called Rooted. Rooted helps us to rightfully call out that a stronghold. A stronghold is is a lie that we live in that keeps us from being fully alive in Christ. It keeps us from being the person we need to be 
in this world with, for our families. It, it keeps us from finding the joy and happiness that Christ can offer. I challenge you this week to sit down, take a few minutes, and ask these two questions. What do I struggle the most with telling the truth about? And is there some lie I am holding on to that's keeping me from what God is inviting me into? And then tell God, that's called confession. Confess it to him. Bring someone else in if you can, a brother or sister in Christ who is mature enough to help you with that. And then take a step forward in this adventure. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.